Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Celtics Reddit Podcast. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. Shout out to anyone joining us on YouTube for the live stream and to everyone listening later. There's plenty coming up with Brad and Tatum giving uh, illuminating interviews recently online. Joining us as he often does, Wayne Spoonie. Spoons, how you doing, sir? I'm doing a hell of a lot better than I was about three weeks ago after these Brad Stevens comments, man. How about you, Ben? <laughs> Everything's resolved, right? Everything's yeah, yeah. back to normal. We found an Life's equilibrium. <laughs> Absolutely. No, things are looking up. And also with us, Jake Eisenberg. Jake, happy Friday, mate. Of course, we're living in the future here in Australia. It is Friday already. Jake, how's things? Mate, I'm good. I'm coming off uh, Division Four Men's League Championship last night. Hey, so, congrats! Sh- yeah, showed out for the for the crew. So feeling good. Love it. Love it. <laughs> well, look, let's get right into it here, and we're going to start with the news of the. Well, I'd say news of the day, news of the week. Shams tweeting out, I guess yesterday or the day before. Steve Nash. Joe Sy and Sean Marks met with Kevin Durant and Rich Kleiman in Los Angeles on Monday and have decided to move forward with the partnership. Uh, I've got a quick clip for you guys before we get into the nitty gritty. We're back together again, baby. We're back. They tried to keep us apart, but they couldn't. It was like destiny. I I realized that for whatever reason, I just couldn't do better than Kelly. <laughs> sums it up, I think. Um, but obviously, we want to talk about this through the lens of the Boston Celtics. Spoonie, I'll throw to you first. Is this good or bad for Boston and why or why not? So, I don't think the Nets have done enough where their team is fundamentally different than the team we just swept. Also, they just went through Kevin Durant quitting on their team for about two months. I really think in the end, it's probably a good thing for the Celtics because the last thing we want in the East is a motivated Kevin Durant. And there were some scenarios where there's teams he could have gone to where, but would have been very, very bad. And we effectively swept this iteration of the nets without Simmons. But until Ben Simmons plays another basketball game, I'm not really including him as part of the the nets until we see that on the court and see it's actually good. Uh, I'm not super scared of the nets. Like if he went to Toronto or something like that, I mean, or 
somehow Philly for Maxi. I mean, this could have been really, really bad. He would have been motivated at least for next year. And now I don't know how this isn't an absolute disaster for the Nets. <laughs> I mean, how are they going to repair this and play quality basketball, man? Like, I, I just don't see it. Yeah, it's a bit of a dog's breakfast. And, you know, we, we've done Schadenfreude rankings on recent podcasts <laughs> with analysts from opposing teams. And like, this is, I don't know, like it's on one hand, you know, I, I suppose it's good for the Nets, obviously, that they're retaining Kevin Durant, one of the greatest players of all time. But like you said, Spoons, like we did just sweep this team and huge cloud hanging over Ben Simmons' head as as far as like what he can contribute Jake, you're qualified, at least on the you know on the Ben Simmons front as oh, a fellow mate. Australian. Apparently, he was just approved to play three on three basketball, so he's not even back on Dude. like five on five. Do you think Ben Simmons can like take the Nets over the over the fence, so to speak, as far as how they performed against us in the playoffs last year? I've spent the last five years psychoanalyzing Ben Simmons <laughs> on various platforms. Um, I'm. In a vacuum, Ben Simmons is a much better player than Bruce Brown, but Bruce Brown in the first round of the playoffs was a better playoff player than Ben Simmons. There's there's no question in my mind. He's a bit like his offensive impact he defensively was fantastic. Um, so, I'm, yes, Simmons' regular season probably makes the Nets better. Um, but And Celtics fans know this better than anyone as well, um, that Ben Simmons has – being a negative pretty much in the playoffs, especially once you get past the first round. Yeah, he's hit a couple of nice first rounds, but that that shooter three coward meme was born in that second <laughs> in that first year in in in, the, in uh, Tatum's rookie year, and like he's never really gotten rid of that stigma from from a playoff perspective. Like mm-hmm. it's only gotten worse from from there. The Atlanta Hawks moment, obviously the catalyst for to where we ended up now. He hasn't played. He hasn't played a single minute of NBA basketball since April 2021. Like, oh man, it's a this. And there's never been a better team on paper, and how different the reality has has been, and I think will be. So yeah, I don't. I don't think this takes them over the top. But yeah, best scenario from a Nets perspective. Um, but yeah, no, don't see it. Yeah, I mean, have we ever seen such a drama-riddled big three? Like, look at that big three. So, Simmons, Durant, Kyrie, the two best players, both in, like, epic trade rumors over the last weeks, like, not even months, like, just recently. Um, Kyrie obviously comes with a lot of baggage. Kevin Durant has exhibited, you know, the same factors as well. And like you mentioned, Jake, like, Ben Simmons is just a huge question mark. That's their big three going into the season. Those three guys, like, Spoonie, Dude, like, what, what can you expect out of those going into the season? You know what the craziest the part of all of this is? <laughs> Kevin Durant is still the least dramaed guy yeah, of all three of them. He's still <laughs> the most normal dude. Like, after, like, this shit show for two months, he's still better than Kyrie. And <laughs> at least he plays. I mean, yeah. shit. Like, this, how is this not going to be a disaster? I, I, I just, I don't know how you repair it. Like, Carl, I see Carl in our, our comments here saying, I love how they called it a partnership in the statement. Have you read like 1984 with like double speak and stuff like yes. that? It's, like, it's a partnership. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because you have no other choice. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we probably at least need to revisit like the, the rankings as far as the foes, the Celtics mm. foes, like who are the biggest threats to the Celtics, at least in the Eastern Conference. 
you know, I think we can easily say the Bucks are probably the number one threat with Middleton coming back and oh, yeah. you know, the re-signed Portis and all of that. We, we, we knew how much of a struggle that series was without Middleton. Bucks remain number one. You know, Heat are getting a little bit older. So, and then there's kind of a drop-off there. So, Jake, where would you insert the Nets into the, the Celtics' foe rankings going into this season? As much as um, we're going to continue to shit on the Nets for the next... Nine to ten months. Um, I probably, <laughs> I, I I probably have them at three still. Like, oh no, at four. So you got Bucks, Sixes. I have, and oh, yeah. then yeah, the Heat. I think I've, and at least when you compare them to how they match up against the Celtics, I feel like we kind of got the monkey off the back from from a Heat perspective. I think if we were to play them in the playoffs this time, it would be a five game series. Um, like we've 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 done the thing where we let them hang around for two games extra. I think if we would have played them again in the second round or something like that. It would be a shorter series. Um, but the Nets still do have KD and yes, we did sweep them, but I mean, every game was a, was a single digit win. Buzzer beater, like, you know, what, what happens if they don't win that, that first game, maybe it goes six or something like that. Uh, I, I still think that the Nets are, are in there just because of how good KD is. And it's hard to say, like, what, which, which, which part of the cycle of the Kyrie story are we in? Like, do we know which, what the moon's going to be doing? Like, this could be like one of the years where he, he plays. Who knows? Like, it's like one in five at this point. Maybe this is one of those years. What do you think, Spoonie? Yeah, I, I'm actually, I, I'm with you, Jake. I'm actually really high on Philly this year. I think. We have to admit, if we're like, well, Tatum's going to get better, Brown's going to get better, we have to recognize Maxie's probably going to get better, and he was already really damn good. So you think as Harden kind of declines, Maxie can pick that up, and he might be the second best player Joel Embiid has ever played with at this Mm -hmm. point, other than probably Jimmy Butler. So uh, I think Philly is a real threat next year if Harden is still like 80% of prime Harden, and who knows? He very well may not be, and it's Philly. I tend to think it might be a disaster regardless, but um, I, I definitely would have them too after the Bucks. I'm with you. I'm really low on the heat. They lost P.J. Tucker. They didn't replace him. Tucker was a super important part of their team, super important part of how they played defense because they could let Butler uh, and some of their, their wings gamble, and they had Tucker back there and Bam back there to protect the rim and get out to shooters. So uh, – I don't know. I, I'm I'm get, I'm much lower on the Heat this year than I was last year. And Lowry looked like a shell of himself, and he's like 35 now, yeah. uh, and he's never really taken care of himself really well. So I think after Milwaukee and Philly, it's I'm kind of scared of Atlanta too. Frankly, I, I almost might have Atlanta above the Heat next year just because we match up really poorly with them. Even though I don't think they will be a top four seed, so. The Nets are right there after those. I think there's the clear two with Philly and Milwaukee. But yeah, healthy KD, Kyrie feels like showing up. And, you know, Ben Simmons is a great defensive player. I mean, if he plays, he he can play defense. So at least you get that out of him. Also, like, don't, don't, you know, throw out the possibility that they could flip Simmons. Like, there's, I think, a very real chance that Simmons actually comes out, has a solid regular season, because that's kind of what he does. And then trade deadline, maybe they flip him for some more playoff type pieces like that that's probably the underrated thing about them kind of sorting this out it might give them the ability to kind of regroup to make some some other types of moves and push them further up 
Yeah, I think a Ben Simmons trade is very much on the cards. Like where yeah. they just got the best that they could for Harden at the time. They'll hopefully trot Ben Simmons out. I mean, hopefully from the Nets' perspective, trot him out, you know, exhibit his talents and his ability to fit on perhaps another team and then engage in trade discussions for that team to bring back something that's more complimentary for Kyrie, uh, Katie, et cetera. But the thing that one of the things really that mostly worries me about the Nets coming into this season is previously the Celtics have been on the revenge tour as it pertains mm. to the Nets. And now that you know, scenario is completely flippity floppied and <laughs> the the Nets are coming back at us looking for, we just swept them in the fucking playoffs. Like they, they want their revenge. Now they're back full strength, uh, you know, parentheses um, or, or quotes rather. And I, I worry about, you know, the firepower that, that they've got if honed through the scope of we want revenge. Like I don't really want that smoke as a Celtics fan. So that, that kind of worries me a little bit. So Lots to consider, lots of foes in the East, and you know we're going to have a target on our back, we, the Celtics, having just made the finals um, this year. I think the next thing that we need to discuss is, you know, what's the impact on Jalen Brown through all of this? Because his name was in the, you know, the washing machine, the tornado of trade rumors over the last few weeks. And if we throw to a Reddit post here from friend of the show, La Bird, talks about Jalen Brown's free agency pros slash cons mindset. And, you know, as I scroll through the post here, you know, I'm, I'm not going to read through the whole thing. Obviously, we'd be here all night. Um, well worth checking this post uh, up on, on Celtics Reddit, but I will read the t- TLDR very quickly. Basically, the clock is ticking on Jalen's free agency. We already saw Hayward, Horford, and Kyrie bail in free agency. While Jalen could love it in Boston, there are compelling reasons why he might leave anyways. So, Spoonie... Like, first of all, did you already think that Jalen Brown was likely to leave? And more importantly, do you think that his name in these rumors over the past few weeks makes him more or less likely to leave? Ben, I, I hate to take a victory lap. You know, I hate <laughs> I hate to do it. Oh, but time. from day one, I was on with Squim Jim and you. And I said, this is a bullshit rumor. Yep. This was like tertiary discussions that never got serious and now it's a slow news cycle and now it's getting reported and windhorse even came out after uh shams tweeted uh, you know tweeted that and was like that happened a month ago so i don't think that was ever serious i think we'll get to it a little bit i think brad has all but confirmed that with the way he's talking about it like you got a call about kevin durant of course jalen brown's name's going to get brought up I don't think it ever was going to go anywhere. So I think Jalen is smart enough to know that. But (laughs) I do think there are some compelling reasons why he would leave the Celtics. I mean, he is clearly always going to be the Robin to Jason Tatum's Batman. Right. And some guys are fine with that. The fact that we made the finals, I think, is really important because it shows sort of proof of concept. Like this team can win a championship with these two guys as their best players. And it's really hard to run away from a championship team, especially when you're as important to that team as Jalen Brown is. So uh, I don't think the percentage of him leaving is zero. I think it's probably, you know, 25% if I had to put a number on it. I just don't think uh, this particular situation. Physical pain. Sorry. I, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I'm with you, man. I mean, I love Jalen. I've been a Jalen guy since day one, dude. I would hate to see him leave, but I just don't think this particular goofy ass media driven saga will real is really going to be the reason or one of the reasons he wants to leave. Thoughts, Jake? 
I don't, Ben, don't worry. My percentage is much lower than Spoonie's. I think it's at around 10%. Um, I just, everything we know about Jalen, just listen to what he says every day. Like he is such a smart, thoughtful person. Um, and like his level of ego, I don't think is, you know, maybe what people think it is. Like he's not a normal star. Like Jalen is, is so different to your average NBA star. I think that, He's actually okay being, I don't think he sees himself as the Robin either. And I, and I think that's a fair um, point from him to see what he did in the playoff run. Um, but Jalen, I think is going to see the situation for what it is. I mean, they're the, t- the title favorites this year. There's no reason they won't be in the Eastern conference finals like the year after as well. Like obviously anything can happen. Injuries can derail. Um, the Celtics will be able to offer him the most money. Even if he doesn't make all NBA, they'll be able to offer him the most, right? It'll be like the five-year extension, yes. I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's important that the Celtics um, media propaganda for Jalen gets pumped up this year. So we get him to make uh, all NBA <laughs> so we can get offer him that extra, extra extension. But just everything that he says about how much he likes Boston. And we haven't heard as much from Jalen this offseason just because you know, Tatum has been more on the media tour versus Jalen's just been like in Spain doing like these women the water. Yeah. He's been these, the water. <laughs> yeah. And these like Navy seal workouts. And oh, so yeah. we haven't actually heard from, from Jalen, but a lot of what Tatum has said is like people have asked him on the red carpet when that popped up, like he's like, we don't believe everything you see on Twitter. Don't believe everything you see on TV. I think these guys get it at this point. And like we, we as, as Twitter consumers see the report from shams and people to kind of take that as gospel. These guys don't give a shit if it comes from, Shams, Woj, it all just gets fed to them as like general shit. And they're so used to random stuff coming out about how they don't even like each other. Their distrust of the media, especially Jalen. Jalen talks about how the media is a mess over and over and over again. So I think the conversations that he has with Brad, who again, I think shares a lot of the same philosophical um, perspectives on life. I can imagine they have a really special relationship and Brad kind of touched on that. Um, in his interview as well that they've spoken about that they have open dialogue and how it's really important um jalen gets it i think so i i I wouldn't worry too much about it it's still two years away if the Celtics just win heaps of games and kick the shit out of everybody for two years and then offer him the most money right yeah yeah like he can already earn lots of money by re-signing with the Celtics, like you said. And in a lot of these cases, and, you know, Jalen Brown, personality-wise, really hard to gauge. I'd put him, you know, in the top three of Celtics in terms of, like, I don't, I can't really get, like, a finger on the pulse of that guy because he's he's so mm-hmm. uh, enigmatic. But uh, <laughs> where am I going with this? I, I think it's difficult to, to gauge what his, his thought process might be because we see a lot of... Um, you know, uh, all-star or borderline all-star free agents jump ship to join another all-star to join a winning situation. And like, he already has that with Tatum and, yeah. and the other complimentary pieces. And now adding Malcolm Brogdon, who is amazing, like this is an excellent team. And I, I can't think of a better situation for Jalen Brown to jump ship to, unless he's just all about superstar exposure, joining a team where he is the one, a, the sole alpha which is great in terms of his exposure and, and you know, um, demonstrating his skill set, but like probably won't get out of the first round if not, you know, make, making the playoffs at all. So uh, yeah. I, I guess in that, with that said, I'm confident that he, uh, that at least not that he will make the decision to stay with the Celtics, but staying with the Celtics is probably 
the right decision if winning is his priority. Yeah, yeah. like Jeremy Grant's not a great comparison because Jalen's a much better player, but Jeremy Grant's decision to, to move away to the Nuggets to go play for a 20-win team on the Pistons, I just don't see that as something that Jalen would prioritize. Um, and then, as you said, are there that many better winning situations? We'll see in two years, but um, yeah. Yeah, and... Grant wanted out after like a year and a half. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he was like, oh shit, what did I do? This is terrible. I was playing yeah. with Jokic. <laughs> uh, and yeah. one thing I'll say is don't freak out. He can't sign an extension if he wants to get the max because of how yes. the cap's yeah. going to increase. He that will can't happen. sign an extension if he wants to get the max. So he will not sign an extension. Correct. So we just can't freak out. And I'm more telling myself this than anything, yeah. but no, he I might do that as well. Thank yeah. you, Spoody. I, yeah. We only he, he may, I mean, he, we can still offer him like $40 million a year yeah. on an extension, but I think his max would be like five or six more million a year than yeah. that. Uh, so we just can't freak out if he lets it go to free agency. <laughs> That's all part of the plan. All part of the process, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Look, segues nicely, Brad Stevens, and we talked about Stevens and Tatum giving illuminating interviews recently. I've got a clip for you from Brad Stevens' recent interview on WEEI Radio, and then we're going to break it down a little bit. You know, so it's been a crazy offseason for, for, for a lot of teams. And, um, but not of, for us. No, no. You know, <laughs> it's been you know, good. No, but I think the biggest news, you know, just the, the Kevin Durant trade and, you know, rumors about him being, you guys being interested in him. Yeah, we, I just, you guys, did you guys have conversations with the Nets regarding Jalen Brown and Kevin Durant? Yeah, listen, at the end of the day, I'm not going to go into any conversations that we had because I don't think that's that's appropriate. But, but my job is to know what costs are and then ultimately determine whether or not we want to be involved in any deal with any team around the league. Um, and But since the Brogdon trade, we felt really good about our team and we felt really good about building around these guys that we've been building around, trying to accentuate our best players. And, you know, we're excited to move forward with our team. And that's the way that's really been our focus for a while here. You say it's been busy and there's been a lot of talk, but it hadn't been from on our end. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. so what we do. Hopefully, hopefully it gave everybody something to talk about. But um, it did. But um, I've just been. Yeah, it's been pretty. Uh, it's been pretty quiet on our front for a while now. And um, we've you know, our gym is now perked up again. We've got. You know, some of our young players are in and we've got a bunch of, um, you know, of people that are coming to training camp on invitations and some other free agents. And so it's it's we're back at it. Basketballs are bouncing again. Some of our guys are working out in other areas of the country. But here in Boston, we're back at it. It's fun. We're back at it. Love it, Jake. How I mean, I guess I'll leave with this question. Like, how comforting are those ah. remarks from Brad Stevens from your perspective? <laughs> I, I love Brad so much. I, yeah, right? Yes. I, I, like, I love Udoka, but just the way that Brad's so just comforting and warm, like, I really, really, really love him. Um, but yeah, like, that line about my job is to know what the costs of all players at all times are, like, yeah. And I forget which podcast it was, but um, they were like, people, people think that, you know, when you see the report Jalen Brown was offered, it's like 2K, like, Brad fired up his... 2k and like press the offer button it, it was probably just like a conversation and like and that's and that's all it was and and then the media runs with it and shams is in the pocket of the nets which became like so obvious every single fucking article that came out was like and the celtics might be the the, the leaders in the clubhouse and like brad's just sitting here being like we haven't spoken to anybody in like two months 
to like, yeah, quiet. Yeah, again, I hate to take a victory lap. <laughs> Brad <laughs> Stevens basically, lap. yeah, take the lap. He said what I said on the on this podcast. I mean, he was like, he basically said after the Brogdon trade, we haven't talked to shit about anything, and so <laughs> uh, it sounds like this conversation happened before the Brogdon trade. We were like, that's going to be way too expensive. We don't want to undermine our team. Let's go get Malcolm Brogdon, and then we're looking at a championship next year. And Brad, his coy little smile, like it's been quiet on our yeah. friend. You know, yeah. it's like I haven't been talking. You know? so, yeah. <laughs> uh, I just love how he answered that. He said everything he needed to say without actually saying it, because I'm not even sure if he can. Right. You can't uh, comment <laughs> on players on other teams. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's right. It's Spoonie Victory <laughs> Lap. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, so I, I just I mean. It it just seems so obvious that he was telling us, like, stop worrying about this. It's going to be fine. Brad's rocking us to sleep in, you know, the mm-hmm. rocking chair. He's like, <laughs> just go to sleep now. We'll wake up in October when camp, you know, <laughs> when camp opens up and we're at the preseason. Yeah, I love I love you said that he was coy. I just love how sort of surgically precise he is with navigating yeah. that conversation. And, you know, it's his, still his first calendar year or maybe a little bit more as, uh, you know, president of basketball operations, Pobo on this team. <laughs> and like he's already such a pro. He's um, so good, dude. Yeah, yeah I just. <laughs> I, yeah. And rocking rocking us to sleep is right. Like it's just such a comforting, <laughs> soothing kind of lullaby. And, you know, he mentioned that we're quiet. <laughs> Meanwhile, we've signed Danilo Gallinari, who defensively, sure. But Malcolm Brogdon is such a huge yeah. signing. So I, I get that he's referring to the Jalen situation when he says that we have been quiet. But, you know, this finals team with the addition of Brogdon, one of only eight players, I think, to register a 50-40-90 season in all time that came up recently in one of our <laughs> trivia shows. Check him out. They're on our feed. Uh, it's, it's huge. It's a huge addition. Um, so yes, they've been quiet on the Jalen front, but quietly busy in the background. Oh. Um, and really, I, I guess it kind of ties a nice bow on all the Jalen Brown stuff we've talked about as a result of the Kevin Durant stuff. So any, any other thoughts on Jalen or Brad Stevens before we move on to this Tatum interview? That was a great little bit you said there, Ben, just like, I'm so excited now to watch Jalen and Jason out there again with this crew. Like I What's great been great about the offseason, you can just go back and watch this playoff run. Like I've watched the game two highlights against the Bucks so many times. Like what what that game against the Bucks is so absurd from Jalen. Like he just destroys them. Um and so I, I he's such a fun player. When he when he gets going in bunches, like it's just it's just a thing of beauty to watch. So I'm excited. I'm excited. My my personal vintage is the game six highlights when t- uh, against the Bucks when <laughs> yeah, Tatum went for forty six. That's Come. the one I like to you know pour in a glass. There's a lot to choose from yeah. before, but there is a lot to choose. From. <laughs> yeah, it's quite the body of work. It's interesting yeah. though. Like there's a lot of great moments in the finals, particularly game one and game three. I mm. the two games we won, um, but like the sting of like well we ended up yeah, losing the series. It's it's kind of too much. Um, all right, well look, we should move on to the next segment which is Jason Tatum gave a a one-hour interview with Taylor Rooks via Bleacher Report a couple of days ago. We've got a clip here that we're going to show you, and then we're going to break it all down. That is an image, a memory, a feeling that, you know, I'll probably never, ever forget. How often do you think about that image? Every day. Um, 
and it doesn't help every time I see somebody, you know, man, good job in the finals. You'll be back. I was rooting for you. I'm just, this is a constantly reminded every day. Um, and that's the tough part about the off season after you lose. It's just like you, human nature would, you know, want you to be like, you know, I just can't wait to get back there. But it's like, nope, you got to start back over. You got to take the proper steps. You got to rest and recover, get ready for the training camp, going to training camp. Uh, preseason, start the regular season. Like, it's a process. You can't just, like, coast through it and be like, yeah, we're going to get back there because it's not promised. Yeah. Um, and we, can, we can't have that mindset that, um, it, you know, it's going to be given to us. Heck, that I don't know if people understand how much I invest into this game, how much I care, how hard I work, because um, I'm not, like, the loudest or, you know, may show everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was just so tough because I literally gave everything that I had to feel like I ran out, that I didn't have anything left to give. And we were so close, you know, really, you know, I, I didn't have appetite. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to go anywhere. A lot of wear and tear happens during the season. Did you have to deal with any injuries throughout this season? Actually, I did. Um, my wrist was really, really bothering me. And, uh, you know, I started taping my wrist. I had a pad on it and I started taping my wrist. Uh, we had talked about getting it looked at before All-Star break. Uh, And I was like, fine, that's cool. But as All-Star break approached, I got nervous to get it looked at because I knew how much pain I was in. Like, But I was was nervous to go get it checked out because I never want somebody to tell me I can't play. Fast forward to right before the playoffs, during the play-in game, we had six or seven days off. And Nick was like, yo, we got to get it looked at. I'm like, all right, that's cool. But like, it's the playoffs. So I don't care what they say, like I'm playing. Yeah. Come to find out, this was eight weeks later that they it showed that I had um, had a non-displaced fracture in my wrist, and it was like it was small, but it was still but like still yeah like a, a non-displaced chip. So like I chipped a bone, but it didn't like leave the surface, right? This is a great insight, right, into our guy Tatum. Like he's every well, every Celtics fan's favorite person. Mm-hmm. Generally, there are a few Jalen Brown stands out there. Spoonie, like I guess going off the back of the, the the Brad interview we talked about, there were a lot of comforting elements to what he said. What are your takeaways from this, you know, expose on on Tatum, the sort of the the light that he shone on his life during and sort of post finals? Uh, I that sounds like a dude who is going to absolutely destroy the league next year. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he just That's sounds a- <laughs> so hungry, so ready to go. I expect him to come out and not have his normal Tatum first half of the season. I think he is going to absolutely crush next year to the point. Jake and I have been uh, batting around MVP odds. They're not good (laughs) this year. Last year they were great. So I put some money on it, but uh, just, I I really think it's, it's fascinating hearing him be like, I just want to like basically play the finals over immediately and I can't, and I have to go through this all over again. And it's almost kind of like, oh man, dude, don't like take shortcuts. Don't take anything for granted. And then in the next couple of sentences, he's just like, I got to do it. It, Basically, I got to do it the right way. I have to go through the same process I go through Mm -hmm. every year. So I'm just really, really confident in how he's going to come out next year. And also, if that was Jason Tatum on one and a half hands, like, yeah. holy shit, what does a yeah. two-handed man yeah. look like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jake, what are your thoughts? Ah, man, love loved the interview. I think Tatum is growing um, into himself 
as like a communicator and as a person, as we, as we all are fucking 24 years old, like still crazy. And they, and they actually brought up the age thing in the, in the interview. Like how old do you think it's going to, you're going to be until people stop talking about your age? Well, it's like until you stop doing things before anyone that age has ever done them before, maybe it's probably going to be when, when that happens. Um, but yeah, so candid, so um, thoughtful again. Um, but yeah, that like you heard everything you wanted to hear as a fan. I mean, I you, there was some large podcast having a whinge about um, Tatum not being sad enough. <laughs> Bill Simmons, um, after <laughs> some large podcast, yeah, some large <laughs> podcast, <laughs> and some uh, yeah, some guy, and then literally like the next day, it paid him. It comes out like miserable, didn't want to leave my house. Like this guy cares so much. He, he's the epitome of not high. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. Sometimes I feel like he's a mini Brad Stevens clone. Sometimes with like so many of like the quotes that he comes out with. Um, and then, like, yeah, the injury thing made a lot of sense. I mean, he didn't even talk about the shoulder injury because um, that was clearly bothering him as well. And then add that to the wrist, which obviously lines up with kind of how his play was going because he just couldn't finish at the rim. And if you just, like, lack that confidence and you're worried about it getting smacked, and Draymond Green is, like, the king of smacking the ball away from you every time you go in the lane, it's like he's probably getting the shit kicked out of that wrist every time he went down there. So it makes a lot of sense that that was a problem where, whereas the shooting wasn't the issue. And then there was another part of the interview where he was talking about how I just, I just ran out. Like he's the gas was the gas tank was empty. And we've, we've spoken about that too. And how he's played more minutes than anyone in the last 10 years between the regular season and the playoffs as a 24 year old, all that stuff. Um, you know, people are going to say that there are excuses, um, but like Tatum again, he wasn't making excuses. He's just like, these are all things that were happening in my life. And I made it a, to do it again. I, people just want him to do it a way, a way that they imagine in their head, like Kev, like Kevin Garnett. And he said that in the interview as well. Um, and there's just so many different types of leaders. Like I think MJ and Kobe and are like kind of, you know, the, the poster boys for just, and people latch onto that kind of romanticized movie type rah, rah mentality. When like Tim Duncan was one of the best players of all time and, much more similar demeanor. Like there's more than there's so many different ways to lead. And I think he Tatum's learning that he can do it his own way. And I think that's, that's exciting to me. Yeah. He does seem to have a lot of self-awareness as he, you know, matures at the age of 24. I think at this point in time, there's no better resource to learn about who Jason Tatum is and how he feels about himself and his current situation than, than that interview. So second only to the content that we've been putting out this offseason, yeah. the best offseason content that you can find. And, and some of the other things, like obviously I, I cut a highlight reel of that interview as it pertains to his thoughts after the finals and his injuries, which um, we, we talk about comforting elements of it. Like, I guess it gives us an out, an emotional out as Celtics fans to be like, ah, oh, he was injured. If he wasn't injured, we would have won a championship. So, like, we could live with that moving <laughs> forward. The other things that he talked about, uh, you know, as a, a relatively new parent myself, he talked about um, this, the dynamic of parenting Deuce and how mm-hmm. he has to think about things that you could just, as a regular you know, citizen, you can never consider, but, you know, having to consider assigning a security guard to Juice and the fact that he's like already a brand and how do you manage that with him growing up and like he's already got his career to worry about and now he has to worry about this very unique lifestyle and dynamic that his son, his four-year-old son is is living within, Um, you know, injuries, losing the NBA finals, 
fine. The most terrifying thing that I've heard from him is is that element of yeah. life as well, which is something I, I cannot imagine having to deal with. Yeah, I mean, she asks him, "Do you like? Do you think that it's kind of weird how famous Deuce is?" And he's like, "Yeah, it's super. Yeah. It's yeah. so yeah. weird." <laughs> like what, at one what of his, you do? yeah, like at one of his camps, like the, one of the kids one who was like five or six or something. And they're like, what, like, if you could choose a prize, what, like, what is it? And then the kid goes, I want to like meet Deuce. And it's like this seven year old Tatum's just like, what is going on? Like, you don't want to, like, you don't want to hang out with me. You want to hang out with, with Deuce. Um, and it, it is a crazy, he's like, do I need to send a security guard with Deuce to, to school and all that kind of, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, it's definitely a, a wild dynamic. The other thing you talked about, sorry, go ahead, Spoonie. Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, it's honestly incredible how like level headed he is about everything, mm-hmm. man. Like we're really lucky to have a dude like this. And I think it's always so bizarre. Like we were talking about Simmons, like the way people are like, he's not responding to this in the exact yeah. way I want him to. So I'm mad about that. Like you need to grow the fuck up that this dude is you know 24 years old and taking a level-headed normal approach where i was like i was really sad and like god forbid he takes a month to himself after playing basketball for 12 months straight to process what's probably the most disappointing thing that's ever happened to him in his professional career that is full of success right like that's probably really hard to deal with especially i was a dipshit at 24 years old i still kind of am at 35 (laughs) (laughs) and and so it's just like honestly it's really impressive like just who he is as a person and balancing the parenting and stuff and like we're just really lucky to have a superstar who deals with things like that i think we should be responding to it in that way and not like a petulant child because he's not sad enough for me yeah yeah dude it's like okay he you, you plays through injury, never misses games. Like he, when he said that thing about well, it's the playoffs, I'm going to play. That's do people want him to yell that louder or something? Like, right, exactly. <laughs> what like, do you play, want? The dude's a play, warrior. Dude plays both ends 45 minutes plus from like fucking January on. Like it was, it's unreal. Like he, he tick, 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 name the thing you want from the best player on the team. And he does all of it. Yeah, absolutely. The, the one thing, like, first of all, I love Jason Tatum. Obviously, we all love Jason Tatum. I love him so much. And <laughs> I'm not ashamed to say that. And the thing that um, struck me down as a part of his interview was he talked about how, you know, part of uh, being who he is is never having a private moment. And mm. one of the most bummer elements of that is people older than him coming up to him at like yeah. restaurants and out and about. And like, a little bit crushed my dreams of like, well, if I ever see Jason Tatum. <laughs> I'm a 35-year-old man. I'm going to go up to him and be like, hey, I'm the biggest fan. Like, I can't do that now, right? He basically called, could, preemptively called me out online. I can never approach Jason Tatum. So, very jealous of those 24 and under who meet the sort of age bracket that he's established there and can still approach him in the wild, so to speak. Uh, enough yeah, of us can just- do that. Just three three dudes that are in their late twenties or and older talking about how much they love a dude that's twenty four. Normal stuff. Just dudes <laughs> being normal. dudes being guys. Yeah. Guys rule. Dudes <laughs> <laughs> rock. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, look to wrap up here. I think we've covered enough of the the Brad and Tatum interviews. Um, very juicy off season content. Very thankful for it from a, mm. a podcast standpoint to be able to have something that juicy to discuss during the off season. We're gonna end. 
with a post by uh, a redditor, uh, Brutal Gash, who is some me. nerd, uh, <laughs> some just nerd dickhead, um, <laughs> who asks in an expansion draft scenario, who would be your eight Celtics keepers? And it's on screen here, so I'm going to run <laughs> down it. So, which eight players are you protecting? And I think it gets a bit muddy down in this sort of Derek White, Al Horford area. So, the obvious ones, Tatum Brown, Smart, Rob Williams, and then Grant Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, Derek White, and Al Horford. Um, so, is, is that your consensus choice? I mean, if we look down at the comments, you know, people talk about the Al Horford contract and like we could get off that money by not protecting him and also factoring in that other teams might not want to pick up the, the two expansion teams in this scenario might not want to pick up that money, so we might be able to just bring him back into the fold. Mm-hmm. And then there's a the talk about whether it's better long-term pro- protecting someone like Peyton Pritchard or J.D. Davison. So, Spoonie, uh, what are your thoughts on this very, very, um, I guess, hypothetical, but probably eventual scenario? Um, yeah, I, I think my one concern about not protecting Horford is that you are on the doorstep of a championship and Al Horford is a very, very important part of that championship. And they're in past expansion drafts and things of that nature. Sometimes teams, first of all, you need to hit the salary floor, right? So Mm. all, most of the guys you're going to get are going to be lower paid. So you might just take Al just to get closer to the salary floor And you also get a guy who can contribute to winning and is going to be a great leader for what will ostensibly be probably a young team. Um, So the one guy I would sort of consider is Derek White. I think there's an argument to keep Peyton Pritchard over Derek White simply Mm -hmm. because Derek White is now somewhat redundant with Malcolm Brogdon. He makes just about the amount of money we are over the luxury tax so you could probably let Derek White go if he gets claimed. You could at least use one of those TPEs to somewhat replace him. And Pritchard gives you a lot different skill set than Derek White does and different than Brogdon because Brogdon's a decent to good shooter. Pritchard's lights out from three, right? Plus he's young and he's cheap. So I think you could make a decent argument that you'd go Pritchard over Derek White. Uh, but I think other than... Horford, just simply because of the age contract issue, he may not be uh, valuable to another team. And Derek White, I think those six are like nailed on. You're never like those guys are going nowhere. Yeah. Um, I just need to clarify what happens with drafts and sessions. Do we have to worry about you how big or wrong? Because that's oh, oh. <laughs> I don't think so. In this scenario, I, I don't want to live in a fake scenario where that's possible, Jake. Okay. okay. Eighth best Celtic. Just checking. Wrong. Just checking. Okay. Um yeah, it's I, I yeah, I'm glad you brought up this the, the salary floor thing and like how likely is it that Horford would be picked up. You, you, you can't lose him if the expansion draft was happening this year. Like you kind of need to pr- protect Horford. Otherwise I think that has a pretty significant impact on your ability to win a title um, this year. The Derek White thing is interesting. I, I, but he just feels like your Malcolm Brogdon insurance is the problem. And so I think if you, you lose Derek, you're in a bit of a pickle with, if Brogdon goes down, but I am a Pritchard believer though. Like, you know, going back to the some of the highlights from the playoff run, like that that go watch those highlights from that game two against the Nets. Like he took over the fourth quarter in a playoff game yeah. and was huge against the Bucks as well. Like he he's a flamethrower and defensively, like he's he's really not that bad at all. 
um, from from that perspective. So I can see the argument for for giving up Derek and and keeping Pritchard from, but like we're in the we're in the luxury tax for a reason. Let's you know let's put the best team forward that we can. Um, but yeah, I think it's pretty obvious. I, I think if we were able to keep like those eight guys, I'm not sure would would like how much of a risk is losing Pritchard. Um, I guess. Yeah, you, well, that's what I was going to ask. Is yeah. Pritchard likely to be picked up by Las Vegas and Seattle in this scenario? Yeah, but is maybe, that- like, if every team's keeping their eight best players, he probably is in the on-team's shortlist. Like, is, is, that a, is that a thing? Like, it's eight players? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just laughing at uh, comment here. <laughs> well, bad news, like, the on the if you can't see the comments and you're listening at home, like, the only time Pritchard is bad is when he breaks his face. Well, he broke his face again, apparently, in the off, <laughs> yeah. like, like yeah. a week ago, um, <laughs> which also gave us some good content, uh, some banter back and forth under the comments. Jalen told Pritchard to stay out of his... Uh, Stay out of his bag, and then Pritchard's <laughs> like, "I told you the handle, my man." So it's like, <laughs> "Well, you got to get him in the in the garage again, Pritchard, because he lost the handle a little bit down the down the stretch there." But um, yeah, he probably is in that in that group of every team's keeping their eight players. So oh, that'd be tough, but yeah. yeah, I love some Pritchard. I just the, the backbone of this team and why they got so far this past season was just that everyone was switchable, everyone was you know uh, defensively sound. And giving up Derek White, you lose a limb on that body, I suppose, where obviously we need shooting, but we did get a little bit of that back with Malcolm Brogdon. So maybe Pritchard is a little bit more expendable, and then maybe he just doesn't get picked up at all. And certainly I would hope Sam Hauser wouldn't be picked up and we could bring him back <laughs> into the fold as far as shooting. You know, there are other options. The shooting is a bit more replaceable, whereas like the, the switchable defense, the knowledge of the scheme... Uh, you know, and Derek White had some great moments. Unfortunately, finished poorly in the playoffs, but had some great moments as as, um, as far into game one of, of the finals there. So um, I think maybe people are a little sour on Derek White, but uh, he was great after the, the trade deadline for the Celtics. I'm so excited to see Derek White with an offseason in a training camp with this team. He just seems like a very chill guy and like kind of quintessential glue guy. He's not going to step, try not to step on anyone's toes. He even spoke a little bit how, about how when he came in, he was a little unsure of himself on how he fit in, not just on the court, but socially. He's, um, and so, and someone asked Horford about that and he was, Horford was like, oh, I got to go check on Derek and make sure he knows that we love him and that whole thing. And I think having that offseason and figuring out where he fits in because his, his offensive game is pretty solid, like 15 a game for the last couple of years. Um, just figuring out where he fits in a little bit better, I think is going to have a, have a big impact. And there's a reason why when he got traded, Spurs fans were like having u- like eulogies across the internet for, for yeah. how much they loved him. Buffalo. Like that, yeah, exactly. That doesn't happen um, for no reason, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, that is like the best way to gauge a guy you've got. Yeah. It's like the other fan base's response. Uh, so, yeah, I think push come to shove, I would probably keep Derek White. I just think it's kind of an interesting thought experiment because yeah, totally. there are some upsides to Pritchard there. I do think he would get claimed. I think if you're an expansion yeah. team, you know you're going to be bad. You know you're going to suck the first couple of years. So you want younger guys, um, and Pritchard fits that bill pretty well. And you know he can come in and at least – gobble up some minutes i'd be kind of interested to see if pritchard was yeah. like starting on an expansion team he'd probably like drop 20 a game dude Hell yeah, it dude. would suck but he, he would probably drop tw- yeah right <laughs> yeah, kind of fun <laughs> 
All right, guys. Well, look, we've we've covered a lot on the pod. Uh, before we wrap up, you know, going back to Durant and Jalen Brown and the Brad and Tatum interviews, and obviously this expansion draft situation. First of all, if you're watching the stream or if you're listening later, let us know in the comments, either on YouTube or Reddit, where we post all these episodes. Let us know your thoughts on anything we've discussed thus far. Jake Spoony, any parting thoughts on any of these subjects we've covered before we wrap up for the night? There, there was one comment that Tatum made where it was like. Um, I was already super confident and now y'all let me get to the finals. Yeah. (laughs) He's going to murder people next year, dude. He's going to crush, dude. It's going to be really fun to watch. Can the season start already? I know, man. (laughs) Yeah. I I feel like Spoonie, uh, you and I, a week ago, we sort of discussed, um, I'm still okay with it being the off season. It's kind of, it was quite tiring and like, not just from the fan emotional standpoint, from the content creation standpoint as well. That was a week ago, a week's passed. And now I'm just, I'm so ready for the season to start. (laughs) Yeah. I, I will say we stretched ourselves pretty thin with the playbacks and the pods and the late nights, man. But I, I, it was fun as hell. I, I would do it all over again. Yeah. I'm feeling refreshed, Ben. Maybe it's the glass of bourbon I had before I got on <laughs> tonight, but I'm ready for the season. Yeah, yeah, let's go. All right. Well, look, that is going to do it for this one. Thank you so much for joining us. By the way, great, great time to subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. We're live streaming most of our pods from now on, and we've got other video content going up from time to time. Spoonie, Jake, love your work, mates. Thanks again. We'll be back next week for round three, by the way, of our Celtics trivia bonanza between Squim Jim and Parsnip Pizza. Until then, go Celtics. Peace. We'll be right back.